chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, 25 to 28. And uh, Matthew 20, 25 to 28. And I will read. I'm going to go very quickly because we have a lot to cover this evening. It says in verse 25, But Jesus called them to himself. These are the disciples now. Call them to himself, says, You know what the rulers of the Gentiles, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them, talking about leadership. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be servant, shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's go to Matthew 14. Matthew chapter 14. Say Matthew, that 14 chapter. We'll read from verse 22 to 32. Immediately he came, he made the disciples, it is Jesus again, he, he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. And after he sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone, but the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why do you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. Now, we are going to begin a series, a series of studies. It's going to be like six weeks, and we are going to be focusing on leading like Jesus Christ, leading like Jesus Christ. Those two uh, Bible passages that I read captures the essence, the essence of the leadership model or the model of leadership that Jesus Christ has given us, and that is servant leadership. Servant leadership. Servant leadership that is anchored in love and compassion. Servant leadership that is anchored in love and compassion. Now, the series that we are going to um, be following 
um, is going to talk about four domains of leadership. Four domains of leadership. It starts with the heart because every leadership begins from the heart. The heart, the head. The heart is talking about your intentions or your motivation for leading. How do you lead? What are your intentions in leading? What are your motivations to lead? The second one is the head. What are your beliefs? What are your values about leadership? And then the third one is the hands. That is the methods and the behaviors of a leader. The methods and the behavior of a leader. And lastly, the habits of a leader. The habits of a leader. What are those daily disciplines that we have to keep our eyes focused on as we lead like Christ? Uh, we are going to be having, uh, we, we will start every session with a very short video clip. Very short video clip will be like uh, 10 to 15 minutes. And then thereafter, we'll have uh, discussions, questions, uh, what we take out of the videos. And my job will be only to, only to facilitate, only to facilitate the uh, discussions. Uh, so um, without wasting more, more time, I will ask um, for us to start the video. Today we are going to be listening to, or we're going to be talking about to lead is to serve. To lead is to serve. So pay attention. I'll ask questions. As For me, uh, personally, uh, everything has been a crisis, you know, with parenting and raising of the kids. And um, because I've always felt like if, if you raised your kids right, then they should know right from wrong and they should always strive to do the right thing. And so when they didn't do the right thing, instead of, you know, whether it's a little thing or whether it was a big thing, to me, everything was a big thing. And that's how I reacted. And most of the time I would react out of just sheer frustration. And the way my frustration came out was in a roar, you know, and I've actually had the opportunity to see that, you know, in my children from time to time. And that really set up a change in me to say, yeah, not good. Have you ever been there? Maybe you don't feel prepared to raise kids and you don't have a pattern to follow. Maybe you're struggling with your child and wish God would show you what to do, but he seems invisible and far away. Maybe you're just too stressed or worn out to even think about trying to be a family leader, one who influences others. That's what this series is all about, your role as the leader in your family. I know it sounds scary. Being a parent is probably the most important leadership position you'll ever have. So why not follow in the footsteps of the greatest leader who ever lived? He wasn't like most leaders. He was known to wash the feet of his disciples and even gave up his life for them. He was perfect and he wasn't and isn't invisible. You may be surprised to see how well the example and teachings of Jesus 2,000 years ago apply to the busy lives of ordinary moms and dads today. By looking at Jesus, you can learn how to build a loving, joyful, confident relationship with your children and extended family, no matter how you were raised and no matter what challenges your family faces. In this series, Phil Hodges, Trisha Goya, and I take turns discussing the heart, 
the head, the hands, and the habits of leading your family like Jesus. You'll also see how other parents face the struggles of being family leaders. In our first session, you'll discover how leading like Jesus can benefit your family and maybe even generations to come. family like Jesus really, I think, brought me back to, you know, kind of a core understanding of how important our family is um, to me and, and my role in the family. I think as, uh, as a leader in my business and out in the world, um, there's nothing more important than leading your family. For so many years, the way I parent was separate from my spiritual walk and my walk with God. Like I was working on my character and I was working on, you know, sort of different elements of my faith and my relationship with God. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't connecting with the way I, I was parenting. And I think it's because I was parenting the way my parents parented me. And, uh, and you know, I, I love my parents, but I think I needed to change the way I was doing things and, um, and listen to God and let him teach me how to be a godly parent. I think that in parenting, we try to isolate our Christianity, and our Christianity is one thing, and our parenting isn't always consistent with everything we value in our faith. And so the reminder that my faith has to be the center of my parenting and everything, and that got personal, especially when it talked about forgiveness and um, maintaining those values that you have as a believer and then making sure that they are consistent within your parenting. I think that that was really convicting for me and, and a good reminder for me to apply it to the, from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. You know, I often start off my management and leadership seminars saying to people, how many of you think you're a leader? And I'm blown away because only 20% of them put their hands up and they're all managers. And you know why they do that is that they think leadership is about a position. They don't have a high enough position yet to be a leader, and yet we think that leadership is an influence process. Anytime you influence the thinking, behavior, development of someone else, you're engaging in leadership. Now it gets more interesting because I ask them a second question. Think about who influenced your life the most in terms of who you are as a human being. And after they thought about that for a few minutes, they say, okay, how many of you mentioned a manager or a supervisor? Hardly anybody ever puts a hand up. They talk about their mother, their father, their grandmother, their grandfather, an uncle, a friend, and all that. And so a lot of people understand that if it's an influence process, we're all leaders in all aspects of our lives. We all have life role leadership positions. And what more important life role leadership positions than there are than being a spouse, than being a parent, than being a friend, than being a good citizen? And sure, some people have organizational leadership positions, but what we want you to understand 
is that parenting is probably the most important leadership role that you'll ever have. Now, a lot of people say, well, Blanchard, okay, I finally get that. But what does Jesus know about being a parent? I say, oh, you sound just like Peter when he essentially said to Jesus, what do you know about fishing? And what happened? They got the greatest catch that they've ever had uh, in their lives. And so what we want you to understand is leadership is an influence process. And when you have Jesus as your model, you're going to be able to influence your kids and everybody in your family in a way that's going to make Jesus smile and make their lives fabulous. I think the most impactful thing is really thinking about Jesus and the way that he served uh, his disciples, you know, washing their feet. You know, in this present day and age, especially in the business world, there's lots of leaders out there. They're all about, this is what we're doing. You're going to follow me. And this is, this is how we're doing it. And they force it. Whereas with Jesus, it was more of this, he, he came alongside of you. You know, that's one thing that's really been impactful is coming alongside our boys when we're trying to teach them something and attacking that from a servant's perspective and saying, hey, I'm here to help you and being patient and really showing them that instead of just saying, look, this is what you're going to do. It's, it, it will totally change your family's perspective. One of the things that I really took out of the book and uh, it was Ken kind of pointing that out was how much of a uh, leader that Jesus was to his family of disciples. You know, he had a, a different family than maybe some of the rest of us, but he was leading his family. Uh, and that was the, the first example. And I think that really came through in the book of how important it is to touch each member of your family in, in a different way. Each, each member of the family needs a different uh, approach. I think the most profound thing was uh, from my daughter when I asked her, so what do you think about me leading the family like Jesus now? And uh, she was guarded and cautious with her statement because she didn't want to offend me. But uh, my wife encouraged her to be honest, and uh, so she was. And she said, I've never really felt like we had a Christ-centered family before. And in the process of doing this, she now feels that we've come together as a Christ-centered family rather than just a mom and dad and, and a daughter that happened to live in the same house. So that was huge. I mean, on one hand, it broke my heart. On the other hand, it's like never too late to go there and make that kind of a difference, not only for our family, but for my daughter's family in years to come. Tricia, as a mother of six, I bet you got all kinds of stories about leading in the family. Absolutely. I'm a mom of six, ages two to 24, and sometimes I feel more like a servant than a leader. And, you know, I started out as a teen mom. And I had my son when I was 17, and for years I prayed for a godly husband. I prayed that God would bring someone, and he did. But I had very high expectations of what I wanted in a husband. And John didn't step up in the leadership way that I had planned. Um, and so I would nag him, maybe we should do morning worship time, or I'd push devotional books toward him as we're doing our morning breakfast and say, okay, this is what, in my mind, what a, a spiritual leader should be. And one day I was praying about it and God said, you know what, you don't make a very good personal Holy Spirit. Um, I thought I was doing a great job trying to encourage my husband to step up. But I just felt then God telling me, just keep my mouth quiet and pray for him. 
And that's what I started doing. And the more that I stepped back, the more John stepped forward. And he asked if we could pray together and if we could read the Bible together. And that made a huge impact in my life um, and in our kids' lives. Together now, we were joined and leading our children. And they saw us in the morning, cuddled up on the couch praying, and it made a big impact on their lives. And you know, so many times um, we think that we have to be perfect and we have to have a certain way, but we don't. And really the principles that Jesus gave us 2,000 years ago really can apply to us today, whether we're a couple or a single mom or even a teen mom. It was really difficult when I found out I was pregnant because I mean, I was 15 years old. So I had to like grow up pretty quick. It was really hard because I had my mom on my back, I had my sister on my back, I had like everybody was like, are you gonna finish school? Are you gonna do this? Are you gonna do that? And I would say yes. And it's like constant like pressure on me and stuff like that. So it was really hard with everybody judging me, being so young, thinking I couldn't do it. And I was just like, oh, what's God gonna do for me? If I listen to him, what? difference does that make? I mean, I have all these other people judging me. I feel like maybe he would just judge me too. So after talking to Miss Trish and all these other people that do reach out to God for all this advice, and they started telling me more about, well, praying does actually help and all of this stuff, then I actually opened up my ears and I was like, okay, well, let me give it a try. I didn't want to try it before because I thought he was just going to be like another person judging me. And when I did that, everything changed. It's like I felt better about being a parent. Like, I felt like my mom wasn't just pushing up on me, always on my back, because I knew God had her there for a reason. So now that I was actually listening, I knew what that reason was. She was just there to help me. Now, and I talk more to him, it's a lot easier, less stress and everything's just off my back and like it's just me and him or me and him and Genevieve. You know Hodge you know you're not 2,000 years old but uh, you're a pretty wise guy I've learned a lot from you over the years. <laughs> you know, given the fact that you're a year older than me I know you've been able to observe from your wisdom point but you know something that's really been fun to think about about leading like Jesus was I was asked the question uh, why is that so attractive to you? And as a man and in business, you know, in the business world, uh, I had to say something about leadership. It had to make sense. And when you started to look at it, lead like Jesus sounds like a good idea. I mean, it's a, a lofty uh, endeavor, but does it sound real? Does it sound like something you can really do? And when I started to look at leadership in the, in the work world, and I got tired of it. And I really found out why I got tired of it, is most leadership in the, in, the, uh, in the world out there is based on sort of manipulating two things, pride and fear to get uh, a goal done, to incite people to do different things. And when I started to look at Jesus and what he did, he really called in a different way. He called to love and to loving leadership, which was really an expression of what he was calling me to do from what he did for me. And uh, when that started to flow into the idea of where it was most important, where love has to be the mightiest word in the family, it not only made sense, but it really got to be something exciting to look at.
pretty short, isn't it? All right. So the leadership role that was discussed was what? The leadership role that was discussed in the short video, what was it? What leadership role was discussed? Parenting. Parenting. Leading your family. Leading your family. Parenting. <clears throat> Leading your family. Okay. So what was the take out? What was the take out from that short clip? Your take out questions, comments? Yes, sir. We all get that. That's a disconnect between our Christian life and our parenting styles. We want to parent our children the way our fathers and our mothers parented us. And that will not work. There has to be a connection between your parenting style and your life as a believer, as a Christian. You could only follow the way that your parents parented you if they parented you like Christ. That's right. Any other comment? Any other takeaway? Questions? If you don't have questions, I'm going to ask my questions. And this is true or false. True or false. Okay. Leadership is about position, not influencing others. False. So, can you explain that? What was the new definition of leadership that was given there? He defined leadership as, as an influencing process. In other words, any time that you influence the thinking, the behavior, or the development of another person, you are actually implementing a leadership role. In other words, we are all leaders. We are all leaders. Because any time that you're trying to influence another person, influence his or her thoughts, or his character, his behavior, or the development of that person, you are influenced, you are a leader. So it's, it's not about um, a position. You don't have to say, well, I am not an executive director, therefore I am not a leader. We all try to influence others. All right. Number two, true or false, parenting is the most important leadership role. True or false? True. It's very, very important. Um, in, in our church, in this family, the, uh, our mission statement is what? What is our mission 
strong families, strong nations. So it starts with the family. If we have to transform the nations, it starts with building strong families. And to build strong families, there has to be good leaders, the parents. See, the parents have to uh, perform their roles in guiding the children. And so it is so very important that parenting is a very strong, in fact, it's the most important, it's the most important um, leadership role that uh, we could ever involve ourselves in. Number three, true or false, to lead is to serve. True, to lead is to serve. The model that Christ modeled for us is servant leadership. Servant leadership. To lead our family is to serve our family. To serve our family. Jesus demonstrated that when he served the family uh, that he, he raised, basically, literally raised the disciples. That was his family. He served them. He washed their feet. He loved them. He had compassion on them. So to lead as Christ lead is to serve. It is also to love. To love. Number four. Your faith has to be at the center of your parenting. True. Your faith has to be at the center of your parenting. In fact, that was what uh, Pastor Charles talked about. So you do not separate your Christian life from your parenting style. Because to be a good parent, it starts with your heart. It starts with your heart. You have to be linked. You have to be linked to the source. You cannot love if you have not received the love of Christ. You cannot forgive if you have not received the forgiveness of God. See, you receive the love, then you can give it out. Same thing with um, forgiveness, which is so key as parents, as spouses. Number five, true or false, as parents, we should have and enforce a very high expectation of our children to be good. Very high expectation. We should have that high expectation. We should enforce it for our children to be good. True or false? Why? Why is it false? I mean, we talk about having high expectations of our children. Why is it false? Yes, ma'am. Yes. I don't think there's anything wrong with having high expectations. Okay. Because certainly your children will rise or try to rise to your expectations. The issue is in enforcing it um, because so often we forget the love part of it and the servant part of it when we're trying to be enforcers. Do we all agree with that? That there is a problem with enforcing. Now the thing with expectation, or does anybody have anything contrary to that? There's nothing wrong with, yes. Having a high expectation and then enforcing 
that expectation, making sure that it happens. Yes. Um, I guess on a personal level, um, I used to have this high expectation for my children, mm -hmm. but I noticed that it became a burden to them. So what I did was I backed off of it, getting and trained them up in the way they should go, and then I let them find their own path, and I encouraged that path long as it was along the lines of doing it according to um, the word. So um, expectation is good, but don't put your expectations because our expectations change according to our need at that time. Okay. So our needs change daily, so expectations will change. It's a way that expectations become standards. And we as human beings, when we have expectations, in fact, you know, we tend to always upgrade our expectations. And so if you meet the expectation at this level, I would beef it up, and so on and so forth. So it's a way that expectations become standards, and then standards become laws. Expectation, standards, and then laws. When it becomes, see, the problem with law is that law will always bring wrath, because we will always violate laws. So then there is no more grace. You move from grace. I will love you as long as you meet my expectation. That becomes a law. If you don't meet my expectation, there is rejection. You know, the love is no longer there. You know, and so we put our children under tremendous pressure. Under tremendous pressure. I want and then you know, we even we bring in things like comparison. Do you see the children of the other parents? You see how they behave. So expectations, yes, but we should be careful that we don't allow it to become laws, and then by becoming laws, we love them based on performance. It becomes uh, a performance-based acceptance. As long as you perform well, I'm going to love you. Does that make sense? Does anybody not agree with me? Okay. Okay. Performance standard. That is what we call in the you know, counseling that do performance-based acceptance. Performance-based acceptance. I accept you on the basis of your performance. As long as you don't perform to that expectation, I will not accept you. And you may not say this out, but your character and your relationship with the child is going to show that. Amen? So again, expectations should be tempered with grace. <laughs> All right. The next question um, okay, this is, this is a comment, my takeaway from one of the things that was said. They said, a worldly perspective on leadership is, okay, is manipulating two, there were two things, there were two, uh, two things that he said. Worldly uh, perspective, as far as leadership is concerned, is based on manipulating two things. What? What? Fear and, and pride. Okay. We use fear. 
we threaten, and then there is pride. Pride says, I don't need God. That's what pride says, in essence. I don't need you, God. I will do it the way I want to. I do it the way that my parents did. And what does fear say? Fear says, I don't trust God. So when we combine those two, we use fear and, and, uh, and pride to lead. And that will always result, fear and pride, when we use them to lead, will always result in separating ourselves from God. Because you don't need God. You already have everything. Okay. When he separates you from God, he separates you from your fellow man because you're afraid. There's always fear. You know, um, when, when, when God came down after Adam and Eve had not seen, they were so afraid, so they hid themselves. And the first people that they hid from was themselves. You know, the man hid from the woman. Okay. So, separates from God, separates from our fellow man, and then separates us from ourselves. Fear and pride. I don't need you, God. I don't trust God. That was the worldly perspective on leadership. How about Jesus' perspective on leadership? What is the leadership strategy that Jesus wants us to follow? Let's talk about that. Somebody help, please. The leadership model that Christ is teaching us. Remember I said to love is to, is to serve. So Jesus modeled for us servant leadership. Servant leadership. The, um, the lady that uh, spoke said, in her house, she, she was more of a servant than a leader. She was more of a servant than a leader. So can we talk about that? How have you, or are you using that in your home to serve? In other words, to lead is to serve. How have you practiced servant leadership in your home? Is it a challenge? Is it a struggle for you to lead, to serve? Yes, sir. Yes, please. <laughs> from back home. That's right. Uh, like, where is the rule that your kids must say good morning to you first in the morning? Okay. I mean, the, does, it make me <laughs> does it make me less of a man if I see my son or my daughter in the first, and I am the first to say good morning to them? And there's also something in my tradition. Now, this is for me, and, and I know sometimes other people might see it differently, but... You know, uh, the, the thing about the left hand being dishonorable, you know, where if a child hands you something with the left hand, that, that's a condition for punishment. I told my kids I don't care. That's for me. <laughs> I don't care. Because there's nothing wrong. You're holy unto the Lord. Your eyes, your ears, your hair, every part of you. 
And so it doesn't, no part of you is dishonorable or unholy. So I'm, I, I'm not particular about what hand you give me anything with. But there are others that may be offended. So for the sake of those people, if you want to follow convention and tradition, daddy releases you from that obligation. And for me, it's, it's those little, little things, I, I think. Yes. Absolutely, this is going to open up. Yes, yes. This American uh, man. <laughs> no, no, yeah, but but seriously, it, it is true. I, but I was actually thinking, and I know that time is really fast gone, about, you know, when we talk about servant leadership, um, there's a sense in which when you say servant, it, it connotes in our minds a person who is a pushover, a person who you can, you can, who can't, um, you know, make it uh, work for themselves, who will probably not get on in life. And so I think that there is that psychological problem that we have with the notion of mixing leadership and servant. In fact, it sounds like a, to a lot of people it's an oxymoron. Okay. You can't be a servant and be a leader at the same time. And I know for sure that for where I come from, uh, people just completely, absolutely reject it. Uh, and, and we've got to uh, deal with that for ourselves, to say, uh, as a Christian, we, Jesus tells us this is definitely possible, and he definitely modeled it. And yes, there are challenges to being able to do that. So I just want, want us to understand that the fact that we have heard it today doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to go back tomorrow and start doing it, and that we must acknowledge that except we invite the one who knows how to do it, Jesus Christ himself. If we rely on our own strength and our own ability or just the fact that, okay, we heard it in church tonight, <laughs> you're not necessarily going to do it. The natural tendency of man is to not want to serve, is to want to be in front and be first and be ahead and so forth and so on. Uh, but with the help of, of the one who modeled it, we certainly can do it. Um, to free myself up as a parent, I have four teenagers. And first thing I had to realize was they don't belong to me. He, I am a steward of them while they are here. So therefore, if there is something that need, need, they need, I go to God and I say, listen, give me what is needed at this time. But then I also had to realize I had to lead by example, not um, um, do as I say and not as whatever the little saying is, but I had to show them how to do it. I had to walk the walk to be the example. So just freeing yourself up and remember they don't belong to you. He just lend them to you for a while. What's the difference between obedience and compliance? And what would you want to teach your children? Would you want to teach them obedience or compliance? Let me just throw that in <laughs> so that we think about it. Yes, the difference between obedience and compliance, somebody. I, I think obedience is something that you do out of... Um, 
your own willingness. Compliance is like you know that there's some repercussion. So you're doing it because if you don't do it, there's something that has to be done. There's something that is going to occur. There is a punishment. There is a reward, maybe also. But obedience is like what comes, I don't want to say naturally, but something that comes out of you knowing the, the right thing to do. Obedience is doing it because I want to. Okay. Compliance is doing it because I have to. I have to. What would you love to teach your children? Would you want to teach them obedience or compliance? <laughs> I want you to think about this because this is leading like Christ. Leading, parenting our children like Christ. Uh, okay. Both. You teach them both. Teach them compliance and you teach them obedience. Yes. For me, I think it's uh, situational. Sometimes you don't understand. Uh, you give an instruction to a child, they don't yeah. understand. Yes. And you teach them to comply. Uh, obedience will come when sometimes with understanding, but uh, some t uh, especially American children, why, 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 why? All right, we are, we are not going to talk about that tonight. I, I, just, I just threw that in for us to think about. Um, I brought that in because we had a conference here, and uh, one of the pastors had said, I guess he wants to teach the children compliance. And when they get older, then they will learn obedience. But let me just throw that out. Compliance is law. Obedience is grace. Because obedience comes from the heart. You want to do it. You have the desire to do it. I'd rather teach my children to have the desire to do something rather than doing it because there is a cane over their head. If you don't do it, you are, you are going to be punished. Well, yes. Can you really teach somebody to have the desire to do something? Oh, yes, you can. Can you? Can you teach somebody to have the desire to do something? How can you teach obedience? How can you teach a child obedience? By example. By example. It's not do as I say, but do as I do. And that is how Jesus modeled it for us. Yes. Oh yes, because you are you are building up the desire in them to do what dad is doing, to do what mom is doing. Yes, and also explaining to them yes. why it is important for them to do what you are asking them to do. Yes, because when they have that understanding and how important it is, if they have that understanding why it is important, why you want them to do it, then it will be easier for them to obey than just telling them to do it because I say so, because I'm the mom, or because I'm the dad. So because if, if, if you teach them compliance when they leave home, they're not going to do it. The moment you are no longer the, the, 
the moment the gain is not there, the moment the reward that they were getting from you is no longer there, compliance goes. Yes, sister. I think the key word is teach. Teach. And, and it takes, teaching takes time yes. and effort and a whole lot of things. You've got to teach them. You know, at, at the teenage age, as we all know, they're going to try to resist. Yeah. But if you continue to teach them, and like she said, tell, tell them the reason why, not by force, yes. they will come around. Yeah. They, will, they, will, they, will, they would have learned, and you'll be surprised that in the long run, as they begin to grow, that they will be obedient. I think that's why uh, Solomon says, says, train, train up a child. And training is not just do as I say. A training, you teach, you model, uh, you should show them the example. And uh, the Bible says when they get older that they are not going to depart from that way. I, I believe that. Amen. Our time is uh, running out, so um, we are going to stop here. Shall we pray? Father, thank you um, for teaching us by your spirit uh, about uh, one of the most important leadership role that you have given to us, and that is to parent our children. And Father, we thank you that um, you have equipped us because our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, modeled that leadership role as he led his disciples, he taught them servant leadership. To lead is to serve. To lead is to love. To lead is to show compassion. Thank you, Father, that um, Jesus is our life and he is in us. And your word says that we are saved by his life in us. Paul said uh, that for us to live is Christ. For us to live is Christ. Thank you that he abides in us and we abide in him. And thank you that your Holy Spirit is working in us both to will and to do even of your own good pleasures. So Father, we receive this word. Um, we are not going, we, we will be doers of this word, not just, not just hearers. Because you say, as you hear my word and do it, then you are blessed. So, Father, we give you praise. And as we return back to our different homes, we thank you for traveling mercies and to bring us back here on Sunday, even as we gather to celebrate and just to love on you and to love on one another. Father, we praise you and magnify your name. For in Jesus' name we pray and everybody says, Amen and Amen.